is the broadcast voice of Marshall University. WMUL-FM, Huntington, West Virginia. This is a New Center 88 special report. Let's go live to the Marshall Memorial Student Center Plaza for the annual Memorial Fountain Ceremony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 51st Annual Fountain Ceremony here on the Memorial Student Center Plaza at Marshall University. I'm Michaela Wheeler, joined here alongside Rebecca Law and Abigail Cunningham as we prepare for the ceremony. Thanks, Michaela. I'm Rebecca Law, and it is so cold out here today. It is raining a little bit, and everyone is super bundled up and trying to stay as warm as possible. They've got coffee and hot chocolate out here for everybody but it is not warming me up as much as I'd hoped it would. Um, yesterday's football game was a tight race for a long time. I know the boys left it all out on the field and we worked real hard. Um, and we had it tied up in the second quarter and I know they tried their best to honor everybody and do the best football that they could. Yeah. Uh, all the football team is here today. If you look around, they are all dressed in their black uniforms for the event. They're bundled up tight as well. Uh, but I figure they're probably a little bit colder than we are because they aren't quite as bundled up. Probably so. And this rain is getting to everybody. There are <laughs> tents up around. Everybody has umbrellas. But it's a different tone than we usually see at the memorial ceremony. Lots of blankets on laps this time. Definitely. It, it'll be interesting to see. Because everybody is dressed in their Sunday best for the event. But... This year's keynote speaker is Mark Miller. Miller was a freshman football player in 1970 when the tragic accident took place, and he became a member of the Young Thundering Herd to finish out the football season, making history. And this is Abigail Cunningham letting you know that you can tune in to FM88 Sports Team as they continue to follow our foot football team, whose next game is an away game against the Charlotte 49ers. And you can listen to our special memorial edition of News Center 88, which aired last Friday. It'll be on our website in the coming days if you missed that. And at our news team, paid a special memorial package to pay tribute to the 75, as well as the community that was affected by this tragedy. Marshall certainly had to overcome some obstacles in the past few years. This year, especially, masks were encouraged for the event, but not required when outside of the building on campus. I actually don't see very many masks. A few people have them, but everybody's pretty spaced out. And uh, I think especially because of the rain, it's kind of helping. Before the event, a lot of people were wearing masks to um, just kind of combat the cold, mm -hmm. which was fun. And a lot of martial masks were out and about. But I think as we start settling down to prepare for the ceremony, people are taking off their masks so they can talk clearly with their friends and family members at this uh, event. No, it, it's it's nice to see everybody's faces again. I know last year we had to double mask for the event, and uh, that it was an interesting experience. Uh, there was a lot of precipitation coming out of our masks as we talked during the event. So I'm glad that I get to see everybody's faces again. It definitely adds to the ambiance because you get to see everybody's reactions as the keynote speakers come in. As we were setting up for the event, I saw a lot of the family members hugging and just so excited to be actually smiling at their family and friends and embracing after a long period away. So that was really heartwarming to see. As we are back on the opposite side of the plaza this year. Uh, we were over on the left last year. So it's I can actually see everybody again, but we can see a little bit less of the fountain now. 
So we might have to move around during the actual ceremony itself to get a better view of the events. Um, we're still a few minutes away from the start of the ceremony, so what we'll do now is we'll step away for a quick quick break Good for the memorial everyone. package cool. featuring I can have your attention again, please. Mike Partner and Mayor Paul Phillips. Program. We'll be right and back after that. So if you could please make your way to the seats if you are a It's a story of loss, generational trauma, rebirth, and strength. Timeless, personal, a story about what it means to be a community. The 1970 Marshall plane crash brought together a city and a university by cementing their ties through grief. Cerrito Mayor Paul Billups, 1974 Marshall English graduate. A freshman at Marshall when the uh, plane crash occurred and I had been recruited there to play football, although I opted not to, but I did know a number of the uh, players at the time. The evening of the crash, I live here and did at that time, lived here in Cerrito. So like most people here, I went to the crash scene and assisted the fire department such as I could. The site of the crash still lays barren to this day. Not a single tree grew back, serving as an earthly, eerie memorial. But the community and university quickly changed. Mike Kurtner, Kindred Communications President, 1973 Marshall Broadcast Journalism graduate. There were 50,000 crosses in front of Old Main to depict death in Vietnam. So that was one day. Then you have the Marshall plane crash, immediate impact on the community. So then you had the Kent State riots. College students got killed by the National Guard. It's a tragedy that shaped the lives and even the careers of those who experienced it firsthand. Your fireman, he was probably 16 years old at the time of the crash, too young to be there. But he was out there all that evening and Within a couple of years, he had a drinking problem that eventually cost him his life. And I always attributed his problem to uh, to the crash. And I think when he passed away, I at that time started to come to grips with it myself and realized what an impact it really had on all of us involved. And we did it in large part by pushing those memories back and, and kind of trudging forward. And to those who weren't able to do that, uh, pretty well was an overriding factor in the remainder of their lives. There was a guy by the name of Steve Gill. He worked at Channel 13, a student. He stepped on our arm and started heaving. And one of the state policemen said, if you don't want to see worse, you need to leave here right now. Both Kurtner and Billups admit to lasting trauma from being on site the night of the crash, stating that even 51 years later, it's hard to recall the scene of the wreckage and their friends within. We did it in large part by pushing those memories back and, and kind of trudging forward. And to those who weren't able to do that, uh, pretty well was an overriding factor in the remainder of their lives. Uh, I learned as I got older, it's okay to cry and it's okay to feel the emotion. I guarded against that. I wanted to be tough and, and be strong, but you, you can't do that. By processing the lasting trauma and learning to cope, it changed the way Kurtner looked at his role in the tragedy. As I said, I was a student broadcaster for that football team at the time, and I could have made that trip. And, and things like that change your life. And, uh, you know, being there the night of, inadvertently, that wasn't planned, but for some reason I was there, maybe just to be able to share this story with you. Maybe that's why I was there. I don't know. Both Billups and Kurtner also realized how a tragedy can sometimes positively influence a legacy.
it's hard to say because the words don't sound right that there was a benefit to the community from it because I would never say that I wouldn't believe that. It did serve to draw the uh, community, I think, together with Marshall even closer than it was, and I think that still exists today. You like it or not, that's part of the foundation. When you leave this area and you go where, anywhere in the world, if you say Marshall University, they're going to remember that. Marshall holds a story that will continue to be honored because history helps people learn and adapt to create a brighter future for generations to come. I like saying that our bodies are just vessels. It's the experiences and the people around us that fill that vessel that turn us into who we are long term. There are certain events in the, in the course of a human life and they have such a molding or shaping of our future that we should always remember that they occurred and the impact it had. There is strength in community, courage in rebuilding, and honor in remembrance. For News Center 88, I'm Michaela Wheeler. Ever think of yourself as a human garbage can? Why can't you be more like him? Do you think he'd need to eat that? Nice hair. Did you use a weed whacker? Are you really that dense? Quit being a wuss. Baby, I love you. But either put out or get out. You're educated way beyond your intelligence. She wouldn't have done anything that stupid. Maybe you should start wearing more makeup. Stop being such a baby. Everyone else is doing it. Negative comments with or without peer pressure can damage not only a person's self-esteem, but may also create bad consequences. Whether it's verbal or physical, trash is trash, and only you have the power to put a lid on it. So don't allow yourself to become someone else's garbage can. This message about self-esteem is from your friends at WMUL. Welcome back to the Memorial Student Center Plaza for the 51st Annual Fountain Ceremony. I'm Michaela Wheeler. I'm Rebecca Law. And I'm Abigail Cunningham. Today marks 51 years since the tragic crash of the Southern Airways Flight 932. Looking around at all the family and friends in attendance, it's hard to believe how much time has passed. This is a really surreal experience for me. I'm a freshman this year and I have actually never attended a fountain ceremony before. Growing up in West Virginia, you hear about it all the time and you know that it happens, but actually being here is something else entirely. For sure. I was incredibly excited to have the girls on for this broadcast because this is the first time I've had two co-anchors for the event. I usually have the sports director by my side, but he was unable to join us today. But so instead you have two people having their first ceremony I with do. You, so it's, uh, it's weird to say it's exciting because obviously this is a solemn event, but um, having heard about this for so many years, being able to actually see it happen in real life is, is really fascinating. Now this is a huge honor every single year. It, it never gets easier to go through the service itself. But I will tell you, I grew up in Huntington. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been to the ceremony. I've grown up around this story my entire life. But I never cried until my first time broadcasting this event. Wow. That was the first time because it's an entirely different experience to not only listen to the keynote speakers, but then to go through afterwards and you interview these people and you sure. hear their stories even more in depth. And it's a different kind of connection. And I'm very thankful to have you guys here today that you get to experience that now. Well, I'm so glad to be here. I know Abigail is as well. Yes, very much. It's they are enduring the cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of our noses have started running since they we have. got here. Yes. So, but we're we're pushing through. 
And again, this year's keynote speaker is Mark Miller, team member of the Young Thundering Herd in 1970. Um, Miller's perspective, I think, will be familiar in a way to Lucianne Call, which was last year's keynote speaker. Call is the daughter of Charlie Kahn's, who was the Marshalls Athletic Director in 1970. Um, both Call and Miller were left behind and found their own ways to step up to the plate and help pick up the pieces of this community and make a positive impact out of a terrible loss. Yeah, Lucy Ann, she's incredibly involved with the university. I've been fortunate enough to get to know her during my time at Marshall. She was one of the first interviews I actually ever did, and it had nothing to do with the plane crash. Wow. It was just because she's involved with the university. And you even saw her out there during homecoming. She yeah. was out on the field with us. So she's I have seen her around campus and heard about her through other people. I listened to the keynote speaker from last year, um, and it was just so... I mean, it was just so moving to hear everyone talk about their experiences, but I think it's kind of fun that she's a bit infamous around campus. Um, that just does make me very excited to hear Miller, who was, you know, directly involved with mm -hmm. the actual football team. Like, that is, I think it's going to be very interesting to hear and probably also very sad. <laughs> Well, the, the last few years, we've gotten to hear a couple new perspectives, and we have a few more minutes, so we'll finish up our thoughts here, but it's new. the new perspectives have been enlightening, because you only think of the people that were directly impacted. You don't think about the people who were maybe children or weren't born yet, and they were affected by the outfall, sure. because their families that they didn't get to meet or they were rebuilding the athletic department at that time. It's What year was your first um, ceremony that you attended? Oh, the first ceremony I ever attended? Oh, at the, I mean at the school. As at the anchor. school, uh, 2018, I believe. Was, um, that, was that Leslie Dice Jarvis? That was 2019. Okay. Yes. Um, my co-anchor for that year was sports director at the time, Spencer Dupuy. Mm -hmm. And she's a sweet soul as well. I was um, reading through some of the past keynote speakers in preparation, and I um, heard about Leslie Dice Jervis, whose father was on the flight crew, and I thought that was really interesting to hear. Um, I didn't actually get to hear the speech, though, but it was interesting that they brought in someone who was um, kind of adjacent to the accident, and I thought that was a really interesting perspective to take. Yeah, that was the first year that we had actually heard from anyone that was involved with the flight crew. We had heard a lot about the football team and obviously everybody else who was on board, but you didn't hear about anybody who was actually flying the plane sure. or their families. So that's one of the new perspectives we've gotten to see the last few years. Um, and the 47th keynote marshal, senior student Fisher Cross, he was one of those who I talked about that wasn't directly impacted because he wasn't born at the time. Sure. But his grandparents, they, they both perished in the flight. Right. And that still affects him to this day, and he's very involved with Marshall as well. So it's everybody who had someone in that crash. They right. Marshall has their heart, and they have stayed strong too, Marshall. It has been so interesting to see how many people who are in, in other ways unaffiliated with the school just through the crash show up today and just feel... Um, so connected with everyone and I when I told my grandparents actually that I was going to go to Marshall they were like oh my gosh the plane that's so such a sad story so it's kind of interesting how the school has become infamous for this and um, but we're it's not it's not in a showboat kind of way everyone is really connected in a real a real familial connection with everyone yeah it's 
in years past, we've had a couple of younger people write articles and do things where they're talking about that it's become a little bit commercialized. Sure. But I feel like this is a story that if you go to Marshall or you have family that have been at Marshall, this is something that's near and dear to your heart. And that's you keep pushing it because it means so much to you. Sure. And you can't come to this campus and not be affected by this story. Even if you didn't have anyone that passed away that day. I They play We Are Marshall in the student center all the time. And I hadn't watched it before I came here. And when I was eating food one day, I stopped and watched it for a little bit. And I was... So I mean, it's it really is such a telling story that like everyone is so impacted by this, and not I mean just forever. And it, it's it is so fascinating to me. And I think that as a school, like as a whole, as a school, it is such a bonding experience to have this with everyone. Even though you know you may not have known about it or had anyone involved with it, that we can all bond over this moment together. And I think that the people who might say it might be a little commercial haven't actually been to the plaza on this day because it does not feel, it does not feel commercial even in the slightest out here. Yeah, it's a very heartfelt event. Actually, Abigail, since this is your first time and as a freshman, can you tell us a little bit about how the experience feels for you? Um, I Like I said, it's very surreal. You know, um, I watched We Are Marshall growing up in middle school health class or whatever, and it's it wasn't very personal, I don't think. It was just a tragedy that happened somewhere in my state. And... Um, since coming to Marshall and learning more about the plane crash and being sort of present, like seeing the fountain every day, it's always a reminder. And you just, it really is a family at Marshall. You know, we say sons and daughters of Marshall all the time, and it's, it might get a little cheesy to some people, but on a day like today, seeing everybody gathered, um, it really is true. And it feels, it's very special, it's very genuine, and I'm very happy to be here today. No, and the good thing about that movie as well is how accurate it actually is. There are right. a couple small changes that did happen because it's film. Right. But, for example, the head cheerleader in the film that her fiancé mm -hmm. died on the plane, she was actually a majorette. Oh, wow. She was a real person, but she was a majorette, not okay. a cheerleader. But that was changed for the film. But the one thing that you will hear people who were on site the night of the crash talk about is how accurate that scene is where the plane crash was. That is so heartbreaking. And... Oh. Many of them said that they couldn't watch that film for years or still haven't watched it because it was so accurate. I was reading an article, and I um, apologize, I don't remember who, which parent it was, but it was a parent that was featured in the movie who, like, w wouldn't watch it, couldn't watch it, and never has watched it, even to this day. I don't know how long it's been since the film came out, but it's just too traumatizing for them to rewatch something so personal like the worst day of their life losing their son it's just I can't imagine how I mean it is wonderful that we have a form of memorial in a movie that everyone can view and take part in this like family experience with us but um, for the members actually they're very affected by it it must be very hard watch to well. see Mayor Paul Phillips, who was actually first responder on the night of the crash, wow. uh, and he was a student at the time, mm -hmm. and he was friends with the people who were on the plane because he was supposed to have been playing football, right. but he turned out his scholarship. He still hasn't watched the movie because right. it's painful to recall. I've been fortunate enough to interview him a couple times about that day, but 
He still hasn't watched the movie. Mark Miller was featured in the Parthenon saying that he still has survivor's guilt. And mm -hmm. at the time, it was just, I mean, unbearable. And, it, you know, you don't move on. You just keep going. And But the survivor's guilt that he still is facing, it must be hard. No, and it's... <sighs> That's har the hard thing about survivor's guilt is that it's not their fault. Right. And, but I mean, many, he was a freshman. He wouldn't have been, yes. even in, like in no circumstance would he have been on the plane. He didn't do anything, you know, but it's just still, you have to, you have to blame something. So you turn to yourself. Well, and that's what last year we unearthed that we had a WMUL volunteer who perished in the crash, Gary oh, George. No. But we had another WMUL volunteer who I actually interviewed this year, Mike Kurtner. Mm -hmm. He wasn't on there, but he very well could have been. And he, he has talked a little bit about that, about the the guilt of knowing that could have been you. Sure. And so it's it's a humbling experience, but it's not a, a warm, humbling experience. Sure, for sure. Colors, followed by the national right, anthem performed by the podium the now as the ceremony begins. Dr. Brianna Nannan. After the performance of the national anthem, please remain standing for the invocation. As a reminder, it is heavily encouraged that you please keep your mask on and over your nose for the entirety of the ceremony. Mails up before we pray. Here we go. Come on, get them up, everybody. Got them up. Live it. Love it. Loyal to it. Live it. Love it. Loyal to it. 
51 years and we're still here. Some say it's a fountain, others who truly who are here today understand our mission, what we're doing here. It's a holy site. 51 years, 75 people, we go forward from ashes to glory, we rise up, tragedy to triumph. It is a privilege as a Marshall alum and team chaplain for the Thundering Herd to be here to represent all of you, all of us collectively together as a Marshall individual and a community. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, the disciples once said it is good for us to be here in this place. Good for all of us today as part of Marshall University community to be present at this sacred site. As the 75 spires reach into the heavens, we take aim today to remember. Remember 51 years ago, 75 individuals in this Marshall family perished on this hillside in Wayne County and surrendered everything for this university. We take time to reflect the familiar smiles, the names, the personalities, the stories, the memories lost in an instant of time, only to be brought back by life, by the living memories and the love of family and friends. The reflections of the faces on the flags around the university landscape that bring a short pause and a great thought of joy just seeing their smiles again. And lastly, we recall the end, each individual's contributions and the hope and the will of a people to honor them all 51 years later, week to week, year to year, by playing on and rising up from the ashes. New riches of glory, many, many victories. The solemnness of this hour will be replaced and reflected always in the excitement of tomorrow. And Coach Huff and his Thundering Herd 2021 edition always take the field to compete and protect the end. Lord, I ask your blessing this day of mercy and grace be extended to all who gather here, family, friends, alumni, teammates, students, and those who join us all over this land. May we never forget. God, you are our comfort, our joy, our hope, and extend to us right now your perfect peace. And I thank you, Lord, that we truly have a special heavenly audience. We truly are Marshall. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Reverend Harvey. Today we also joined by several distinguished guests. Um, Mayor Steve Williams and President-elect Mr. Brad Smith. We are also, by, we are also joined by um, are they here? They're not here. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us. We will now hear from our speakers. Student body Pre Vice President Isabella Griffiths, Head Football Coach Charles Huff, Interim Athletic Director Jeff O'Malley, and Marshall University Alumni Association Director Matt Hayes. Please be seated. Good afternoon, everyone. 
my name is Isabella Griffiths, and I stand before you as a humble daughter of Marshall, who has had the honor of helping to plan the 51st annual Memorial Fountain Ceremony. I'd like to take a moment to thank my committee for their hard work and dedication to making this day special. I could not have done it without all of you. After just six short months of holding office, I can undoubtedly say that this experience has changed my life forever. I grew up hearing the story of Marshall because I lived just down the river in Ironton, Ohio, but I never knew how special this community was until I had the chance to be a part of it. I realized that by now I've had the pleasure of hearing many of your stories, but I want to take a moment to share my story and how I believe fate brought us together. In the year 1956, my grandmother came to Marshall from Wheeling, West Virginia as a majorette for the marching band, where she met her husband, James Vaughn, who played football here. They went on to marry and have four children before Jim passed in a military flight test, just a few years after their time at Marshall. My aunts and uncles at the time were all less than five years old. Nana mustered the courage to move home to her family in Ironton, Ohio, where she had her fifth and youngest child, my mother. Years later, I grew up hearing her stories of Marshall, decided to attend, and was elected by my peers to take on this task of serving as student body vice president. Without the tragedy my grandmother experienced all those years ago, I would not be here today. I'd like to think fate brought us all together in some odd way, because I know I was meant to be here with you all, remembering the loved ones we've lost. Tragedy is a unique thing. It breaks us in ways we never thought we could be broken and dares us to get back up and to keep going. It pushes us to be our strongest, to rise up to glory even when we think we cannot go on, which is why I've always been inspired by the strength of the friends and family of our beloved 75. To say goodbye to our family members too soon is one of the greatest tragedies one could ever face. I find myself heartbroken to think of the loss this community felt 51 years ago, and I want to extend my sincerest condolences to each and every person today who lost a loved one that night. I have a faith which teaches me God only gives us that which he knows we can handle. And while I know it is unbearably difficult to imagine what it is like to lose so many people we loved, I can see the proof that he knew this community could rise up. He knew that we could lean on one another to keep going. He knew that we needed to rise up from the ashes and honor the 75 in the only way we knew we could, by continuing their dream of playing football, which became known around the country as our 1971 Young Thundering Herd team a family I dare say that was and still is the strongest in the nation. When we say that we are Marshall, we truly mean that we are all family and that we love each other just as I know we loved the family members we lost. As Jack Thorne once said, those we love tru never truly leave us. There are things that even death cannot touch. When I think of this quote, I think of all the wonderful memories I've heard of the 75 and of the way in which we carry each of them in our hearts every day. Maybe it's God's will, or maybe it's fate, but I believe that tragedy not only brought us together today to celebrate the memory of these wonderful souls, but to teach us just how precious love truly is. Tragedy can take our loved ones from us in an instant, which is why we cherish our love for one another so strongly in all of our days. I know I loved my grandmother very much, and she taught me how to love Marshall just the same. 
which is why I leaned on my peers at Marshall when she passed a few months ago. I feel closer to her and to all of you when we come together to celebrate traditions such as this, and I'd like to take a moment to thank you all for changing my life forever. I can never repay this community for the love it has shown me and the lessons it has taught me, but I will spend my life trying to give back in every way that I can. You will continue to inspire me and every son and daughter of Marshall University who will walk this campus in years to come. And I thank you all for allowing me the privilege of being a part of this day. We will never forget, and I will never forget. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one, let me say um, I am privileged to be a part of this celebration. Um, it is a celebration of 75 lives. Um, it's a celebration of this community's strength. It's a celebration of this community's passion. Um, as your football coach, um, I stand here in front of a team that I asked on um, the beginning of last week to make sure that we honored the 75 with our performance. Um, no, the outcome was not what I would have given my left finger for, but our performance is exactly what that fountain represents. It was strong, it was tough, and we fought to the finish. And we'll stand and we'll fight again, just like the lives and the history of the 75. We are stronger because of the 75 in this community. Isaiah 55 says, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. So I don't know why that plane went down 51 years ago. I don't know why God chose Marshall to be the strongest university in America. I don't know why God chose Huntington to be a community that represents more than a university, more than a football program. I don't know why. But I trust that God made the right decision. And I trust that everything that has happened to this community, everything that has happened to this university, everything that has happened to this football team happened for a reason. And it's not my, nor yours, or anyone else's right role or decision to wonder why. As I told those guys in the locker room last night, it's our job to continue to work. It's our job to continue to remember it's our job to continue to honor. It's our job to continue to be strong. You have my commitment to the loved ones um, that lost that night. You have my commitment that as long as I live, I will honor the 75 with my daily performance as not only a football coach, but a father, a husband, a community member, um, you have my commitment that the 125 guys standing over there in black jerseys will honor this legacy for as long as they live. Not as long as they're a student here at Marshall, but as long as they live. Because of the 75, we are Marshall forever. I will not forget my team will not forget. 
We are Marshall. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. Thank you. Every so often, and sometimes by surprise, you'll see our good friend Red Dawson stop by the football offices. There's nothing better than to have him sit down, chat about anything, and share a few laughs. That happened this week when Red stopped by to do some interviews ahead of this special weekend. When I listened back to what he said about what happened 51 years ago today, and his journey here, it really resonated with me. He spoke about how welcome he felt in our state and in our community. He talked about the perseverance it took in the aftermath of such a tragedy. He spoke with such conviction about how everyone had to come together to overcome. Forge ahead and keep moving forward for the sake of our great university, the football program, and the 75. That's what this weekend has always been for me in the 20 years that I have lived here. This is our common bond. This is part of our shared journey. This is why our football team locks arms and enters the field on this weekend every season. Once you're a part of this, it is woven into the fabric of your life forever. No one has this story. No other place has this kind of support system. And everywhere I've ever seen or I've ever been, no one has our family. Today, we always remember the 75. And we take that with us as a reminder of what it took to get us here today. And they live as part of our vision for the greatness that is yet to come in each one of us and in Marshall University. Thank you. Go Herd. Good afternoon, family. Thank you for braving the elements and being here today. It's wonderful to be together. On behalf of the Office of Alumni Relations, the Alumni Association Board of Directors, and Marshall alumni the world over, it is my privilege to share heartfelt greetings and sincere, sincerest condolences with the families and the dearest friends of our 75. Today we come together to remember the events of November 14, 1970, 51 years ago. We remember and we celebrate the lives of the 75 precious souls aboard Southern Airways Flight 932. And we observe the everlasting impact of this event and how it has impacted our university and this community. The Marshall family, we're a very special group of people and very precious to me. Each year, this ceremony brings us together and it never fails. There are faces that are familiar and faces that are new. And I want to draw some special attention to a few of those faces among us today. There's a face in the crowd today that's many, 
they're new to many of us. Mr. Frank Wheeler. Frank is a retired executive of Southern Airways. Frank had the extremely difficult task of representing Southern Airways here in Huntington in the aftermath of the crash. Frank, you're a special member of our Marshall family. And I want everyone to know he has worked hard to maintain numerous relationships with family members of the 75 for five decades. This weekend marks Frank's first visit to our campus and to Huntington since November 1970. Frank, we are so glad you are with us today. We thank you for your compassionate service and your loyal friendship over the past 51 years to the family members of the 75. Please have a round of applause for Mr. Frank Wheeler. There he is. Stand up, Frank. There he is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless you, sir. In addition to Frank, there's another new face with us today, but his is a face we all know by now, uh, and this is his first Memorial Fountain ceremony with us. He, he just spoke. You just heard from him. Our new head football coach, Coach Charles Huff. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In his first season, not only has he led our team to bowl eligibility, but he also has us poised to contend for an East Division title. We're also well positioned to be in place to play for a conference title. It's awesome. Coach Huff, welcome to your first Memorial Fountain Ceremony. We're so glad to have you and your beautiful family here as part of our Marshall family. Welcome. Now on to some other familiar faces, men that we have known for years, men for whom we have tremendous appreciation and admiration. They're celebrating their 50th reunion this year. The young thundering herd has taken center stage this fall. The Marshall family has celebrated and honored the members of the 1971 young thundering herd who 50 years ago resurrected our football program. How special it was earlier this season to play East Carolina at home. And to welcome the Young Thundering Herd to campus for a weekend full of events and special activities. And a few weeks ago, the Young Thundering Herd served collectively as our Grand Marshal for homecoming. The 50th reunion of the Young Thundering Herd has been a special time for us to capture so many memories and great stories from the men closest to the rebirth of Marshall football. I think we can all certainly agree that the success Marshall football has enjoyed over the decades rests on the shoulders of the coaches and the players of the Young Thundering Herd. Let's recognize that right now. So here we are, all of us together, in the rain, paying tribute to members of our Marshall family who we wish could be here today. The faces we can't forget, the faces we don't see today, but they're here and they live forever in our hearts. 
the loved ones who, to whom we were forced to say goodbye to all too soon. Today, allow their faces to come to mind. And as a family, let's support one another in sharing that grief and loss. I love this quote about family from Dave Willis. He said, quote, family isn't defined only by last names or blood. It's defined by commitment and by love. It means showing up when they need it most. It means having each other's backs. It means choosing to love each other, even on the days when you struggle to like one another. It means never giving up on each other. To me, that's what makes our Marshall family so incredibly special. Our special bond and our commitment to remaining inclusive, building and maintaining strong relationships, and our commitment to faithfully remembering and persevering or preserving the memory and the legacy of our 75. Uh, today, as we look back and remember, let's also look ahead and be ready to celebrate and persevere in the face of triumphs and losses that are sure to come. And let's be prepared to pull together as a family to be there for one another, no matter what, because we are. Thank you. It is at this time that I would like to everyone to direct their attention to the Marshall University Choir for the singing of Homeward Bound, followed by remarks from our 37th president of Marshall University, Dr. Jerome Gilbert.
the quiet misty morning when the moon has gone to bed when the sparrows stop their singing Life is very precious. It's also very fragile. It can be taken from us like the loss to a thief in the middle of the night, as the Bible says. That thief took the 75 from us 51 years ago. We continue to remember and to mourn that loss. Humans are creatures of emotions. And we bring our emotions today to this plaza and lay them on the edge of the fountain in memory of the 75. Our emotion of grief is very strong, but the emotion associated with hope is similarly strong. We also bring that emotion to the fountain as we celebrate the young thundering herd. As I've said almost every year, this plaza and its memorial fountain becomes a sacred place as we gather together on November 14th. It is a symbol of the tragedy and it's a symbol of the lost 75. And more importantly, it's a symbol of hope and love. Today we mourn the 75 and we celebrate the hope of the young thundering herd who emerged 50 years ago to keep the football program alive. The lamp of Marshall University may have been dimmed by the remorse and the grief of November 14, 1970, but that beacon over dark water never went out. Out of the ashes, the phoenix emerged. As the phoenix began to rise, it was not a rapid event, but a slow rise. It was not like a flash or a burst of light, but like a small ember that started as slow glow and gradually began to gain strength to become a bright light. The young thundering herd was a large part of the phoenix, as were the heartbroken members of the Marshall campus and the Huntington community who kept the flame alive against all odds. Marshall University took a tremendous blow but came back. She persisted and held on. The young thundering herd was much like the bomb of Gilead that's mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. It helped soothe the wound and start the healing process. And for that, we're very grateful. Six years ago on this very day, I sat on the plaza as a visiting president-elect 
to experience the somber and powerful emotion of this fountain ceremony. Today, President-elect Brad Smith sits here on this plaza as I stand here as the outgoing president. It is a day of tremendous emotions, and that's certainly not lost on me. I hope all of you here today will cherish this sacred moment at the fountain as we think and reflect on the meaning of life and the emotions of loss and new beginnings. It has been proven that Marshall is a great university with a destiny that is unstoppable. I will always be grateful that I was able to experience the spirit of Marshall and be a very small part of its history. My heart will forever be with the good people of Marshall University, and I, like you, will forever be grateful to the young thundering herd and will never forget the 75. My best wishes to President-elect Brad Smith. Thank you, and may God continue to bless Marshall University. President Gilbert, it is an honor to follow you on this stage. Uh, no matter where you go, you will always be one of the herd. Thank you for everything you've done for our university and for always embracing our 75. Thank you. Good afternoon, herd family. We are so thankful for those of you who are here with us in the cold and rain in person, but also I want to wish a warm welcome to those of you at home and all of Herd Nation joining us on live stream. My name is Matt James, and I have the honor to serve the university as Assistant Dean of Students. In that role, I also have the privilege of working with our Student Government Association as one of their advisors. And I am so proud to say that for 51 years, our student leaders have stepped up. Everything that you see, it's beautiful, but this takes a village. It takes so many people to put this together, and it also takes the heart of one special leader to lead our charge. So, Bella, thank you for your leadership this year, and to all of our volunteers, most of them are up here or in the back. Thank you as well. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Today I join you as a member of the Annual Planning Committee. This is a special group that I've been a part of for the last 14 years. Each year our committee convenes to decide on a keynote speaker. And as you can imagine, this decision typically comes with much thought and reflection. This year was no different. You've heard today that we are pausing to reflect on the lives we've lost, but we're also pausing to honor the rebirth of one of the best football programs in the country. And so our committee felt it most appropriate for this year's service and this year's keynote speaker that we have a representative of the Young Thundering Herd. We tossed around names like the great Dave Walsh and Ed Carter, but knowing these men have offered inspirational keynotes in years past, we decided on a new story for this year's program, and we selected Mr. Mark Miller. In 1970, Mark was an 18-year-old from Eastern Kentucky whose family couldn't afford to send him to college. So, like many other young men at the time, Mark was planning to enter the military until, just weeks before classes began that fall, a young coach by the name of Red Dawson recruited Mark, along with several other freshman players, to prepare the varsity squad each week at practice for their next opponent. 
At the time, freshman players did not travel with the varsity team, and so Mark didn't make that trip to ECU that weekend. Mark says that as an 18-year-old, he struggled with the reality of what had happened. He questioned why it happened, and as someone who never experienced loss in his own life, he had never lost anyone in his family, he found himself attending funeral after funeral and experiencing survivor's guilt and overwhelming feelings of sadness and inadequacy. Because even for freshmen at the time, the bond among our athletes could be felt. In the months following the crash, however, Mark's role changed on the team as the freshmen who were left behind suddenly found themselves with a key leadership role in rebuilding the process and rebuilding the team for their fallen teammates. Understanding how difficult this must have been, I asked Mark this week in preparing his introduction, why did you come back? He replied simply, it wasn't a choice. He also credits Coach Red Dawson, one of his heroes and one of mine, as inspiring those who were left behind to pull together and to honor these families that come here each and every year on this day. Since his time as a student at Marshall, Mark enjoyed a 43-year career with Caterpillar, and he is now enjoying retirement with his wife of 40 45 years and her name is Connie. The couple lives in their hometown of Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and they live in close proximity to their three adult children and six grandchildren. One of Mark's daughters is here with us today, Dr. Kate Schutz. Kate, we're very happy to have you as well. Finally, Mark says the opportunity to speak at today's ceremony is the honor of a lifetime, and he agrees with me, and I hope that all of you do as well. Would you agree that Marshall University is a truly special place? And it is, it is the people that make it so special, yes? But it's not just the people right here. It is the 75 people that we will forever keep right here. So Marshall family, please help me give a warm welcome to our keynote speaker, Mr. Mark Miller. Oh my. Join me in taking just a moment to remember this spot in the middle of campus is sacred ground, the heart of Marshall University. Thank you for coming today as we honor our forever 75. I wanted to start with my journey to Marshall. As a high schooler in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, I had decided to attend the Air Force Academy. My father, was a sergeant in the Army Air Corps in World War II. He had a lot to do with my decision. I can remember during the holidays watching the Air Force Academy play Tennessee in a bowl game from the campus there in Colorado Springs. I was an Eagle Scout and I can remember seeing Pikes Peak in the background. A young, a young man that hadn't traveled a lot. Um, I thought that would really be a way. As I started to pursue that goal, I found out that you don't get a scholarship to the academy. Um, you join the Air Force. And to get nominated, you have to go through quite a regiment. Um, I had to have a principal nomination from a U.S. congressman. As an 18-year-old freshman, I didn't know a lot of congressmen, but I got to meet one. and. Uh, he looked at my credentials and he decided that I was going to be his principal nominee. I got my grades turned in, I got my transcript, uh, my rank in the class, my ACT's test scores, 
I went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and took a physical aptitude test. Back then, I was quite the athlete, guys. <laughs> I think I finished second up there out of dozens of young men, but it, uh, I felt like I had aced, and I sat back awaiting an appointment to the Air Force Academy, which was four years, basically, and then five years of committed service, so it was a nine-year commitment, and I was committed. I was ready to go. <clears throat> Seven days before I was expecting to leave for the Air Force Academy, I received a re rejection letter in the mail, and it had an ACT test score in English as the reason. I can remember I had a 93 on the ACT in English, I had a 98 science and math. I was quite the student. I worked very hard. But I can remember that rejection, and I called the senator, and I, I thought possibly he would have an answer. And he said, Mark, he said, this was a political, <laughs> a political bump. He used a lot of words like words that I didn't know at the time. As 18, he, he talked about constituents and political influence. And I can remember telling the congressman that I didn't know a lot about politics at that time, but I didn't think I liked them very well. <laughs> Not having a backup plan, I contacted the high school football association who I had rejected with an offer to play in the East-West Kentucky All-Star Game, which was coming up in about 10 days. <laughs> I had rejected their offer because I was going to be gone to the academy. And they informed me that they had filled my slot <clears throat> and that the only way I could come is if someone did not show up for the week's practice prior to the game. They suggested I pack a bag and wait on a call for Sunday morning in the event that someone didn't show up. I packed the bag and I prayed all week. Sunday morning came and about 8 o'clock the phone rang. One of the young men from Eastern Kentucky had gotten sick and he wasn't going to be able to play. So they said, Mark, we need for you to be here. I said, yes, I'm on my way. I grabbed my bag. I hit the road for a five-hour drive. My father had... Uh, had won a car in a raffle over the holidays. He had brought, bought a, uh, a ticket from the Veterans of Foreign War, so I had a, a fairly brand new American Motors Rambler. <laughs> we called it the tan can. It didn't have any lining in the top. When you close the door, the top went up, but it had four doors and four roll-down windows, no air conditioner, and an AM radio, but I was tickled to death because I had a car to make that trip. So I get there, and I pull into the parking lot. Uh, and I notice a license tag that was from Eastern Kentucky. The young man stepped out. and I recognized him as Danny Canada. Danny looked over at me, and, and Danny recognized me. We had been rivals there in eastern Kentucky. He was at Pikeville and, and I was in Prestonsburg. When Danny got out, we approached. He said, Miller? I said, Canada? 
He said, what are you doing here? I heard you were going to the academy. And I said, well, that fell through. I said, I'm here hoping to get in the game, impress a recruiter, and get an offer for a scholarship. I said, how about you, Danny? I hadn't heard. He said, I signed with Marshall. And I said, well, I had heard from Marshall, but uh, like the, the others that I had talked with, I, I let them know that my heart was with the academy and the Air Force was 19th in the country and it was Colorado Springs, it was Pike Peak, and, and that's what I had chosen to do. So the backup plan had come through. So I, <clears throat> Danny hears that story and he says, well, hang on a minute. He walks over to a phone booth and he grabs a coin out of his pocket and he puts it in the payphone and he makes a call. And he gets Coach Red Dawson on the telephone. And he talks to Red for a minute and he says, Mark Red, Coach Dawson wants to talk to you. He handed the phone to me. I'm standing there in Bowling Green, Kentucky, five hours from home. And I'm talking to Coach Dawson on the phone. And he said, Mark, what's happened? And I told him about the academy, and he said, uh, and I said, I'm here hoping to get in the game and, and earn, a, earn a scholarship through a performance in that all-star game. He said, well, why don't you come to Marshall and play football here? I said, with or without a scholarship, Coach Dawson? He didn't hesitate. He said, with of course. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much. With that, I was on my way. I think the, as I look back and I think about that day, that conversation, one of the things that I've got a clip on my papers here. So. <clears throat> I wanted to share with you all today, when I made that decision and I accepted that, of course I did with my whole heart, I had never been on this campus. I had never seen Fairfield Stadium. I had never personally met the coaching staff. It, it was quite a commitment on my part. But I felt comfortable to step forward into the unknown as I felt the comfort of God within me. I'll forever be grateful to both Danny Canada, one of my teammates here at Marshall for all four years, and to Coach Dawson. And thanks be to God for, for answered prayer. I'm often asked what was one of my favorite memories of being with the varsity on campus. During our first week, the varsity decided to join us all together in the cafeteria, all the freshmen. They formed a circle and they put a chair in the middle and I thought, boy, bull in the ring, you know, what's this going to be? But they, uh, they put us up one at a time. And you got to go back to 1970. Hair was a pretty good thing. You know, the Beatles had come on board and everybody had. I saw some pictures with my daughter inside how long my hair was back then. And... Uh, what they did, they set us in the chair one at a time, and they burr haircut if you've never had one, kind of like the military smooth job. 
So they shave the heads and then they ask you to step on the chair and sing your high school fight song. So uh, I stepped up, they shaved my head. I, we all had, uh, I told this story at the cemetery a few weeks ago, but and I picked on Lucy Ann. I said, we had the Lucy Ann tan, but yet we had this white head. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I stepped up, got the haircut, stepped up, and I didn't really remember my fight song very the uh, high school fight song, but I got out. Part of what I said back then was fight, 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 and win this game tonight. <laughs> and uh, when I finished, there was an awful lot of laughter coming from the varsity players, and I, I really didn't understand why. But they were making fun of my Eastern Kentucky twang at that time, and anything that had an eye in it was fight and tonight. <laughs> and they were making fun, so I, I finished the step down, took my place, and next up, and I, you know, two stories about one of my teammates. There's several here uh, from that 70 freshman team, but. Danny to Canada was right behind me. He was next up. Danny was a first-team All-State fullback and a uh, place kicker from uh, Pikeville. Danny stepped, he was quite the personality. Danny stepped up next. God, he's, his hair wasn't as long as mine, but after they shaved it, he looked as cute as he could be, Danny. <laughs> but he steps up, they, they shine his head, they, they put him up on there. And Danny stepped up and he looked around the crowd that personality that he had, and he said, uh, you've just met my good friend, Mark Miller. And he said, you all have collectively determined that he's from the a-hole of the world. He said, well, I'm Dan Canada, and I'm from 30 miles up in there. <laughs> That's probably distasteful, and, but when people ask me about one of my favorite stories of the varsity, I, 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 that comes to mind every time. So to Danny, I appreciate it. Uh, and it is 30 miles from Prestonsburg to Pikeville down US 23, so he, he at least had some truth in the conversation. I think Matt mentioned that NCAA rules prohibited freshmen from inclusion on the varsity. We couldn't travel with the herd and we couldn't play the games. But for the next three months, from the time we got here in mid-August until November, we were basically, our job was individual and team opposition for the varsity during practice. We lived together in the dorm, we ate together at the training table, and we practiced together. We quickly grew close to our teammates and looked up to them in many ways. We had become family by mid-November as we prepared for the East Carolina game. We were there to see them off on Friday the 13th as they boarded the bus for the short trip out to the airport to catch Southern Flight 932 for the flight down to Greenville, North Carolina. As my home was only some 80 miles away, I took the tan can home for the weekend. My father and I listened to the game Saturday on the radio. It was a competitive game, but we lost that day. Some hometown friends asked if I'd like to attend revival services at a local church. I wasn't the most devout 18-year-old, 
but I thought it was a good chance to see a lot of high school friends. So to answer the question that we've all been asked, where were you on November the 14th between 6 and 8 p.m.? I was in church. I hustled home to get out of my coat and tie, slip into something more comfortable. I was planning to attend a dance at the local community college in town, PCC, and Prestonsburg Community College. <clears throat> As I was ready to leave, a text message came across the TV, Channel 3 here in Huntington. There'd been a plane crash at Tri-State Airport. No details available at this time. My father asked, could that have been the plane carrying our ball team? We remained glued to the television as the details slowly came in about the tragic crash of Southern Flight 932. Dozens of community members arrived at our home to console my parents as they thought I was on the plane. I locked myself in my bedroom as I had no idea what to say. I was in shock. It was several days before I could speak to anyone as I had so much grief. The sadness was overwhelming. Upon arriving back on campus, we spent several days attending memorial services and funerals, something I had never been to before. Parents of our fallen teammates came to the dorm to collect their personal items. They would ask members of the freshman 70 team, what was he doing for the weeks prior? What's this item in his room and the significance of it? I had never experienced such sadness. I truly struggled daily. I felt guilt if I laughed aloud or enjoyed anything. I wasn't sure of the future of our team or if we'd even have a team again. Campus was covered with sadness. Silence prevailed. Classes were canceled. Lack of direction was prevalent. We gathered together as a young herd, but one with little or no direction. Campus chaplain Father Scott and other university staff were working diligently to counsel each of us and ensure that we were safe. Faith, hope, and after some time, a personal and team commitment was made to rebuild as that's what our fallen teammates would want. Coaches Red Dawson and Mickey Jackson were amazing in that they consoled us. They led us to the belief that we were here for a reason, to rebuild in honor of our lost members of the Marshall football program. There are no words that I can share today that will explain the why of this tragic loss. No words that will ensure peace of mind to the families and the friends. Personally, as an 18-year-old member of the freshman team, I struggled with the reality of what occurred. Why did this happen? I experienced survivor's guilt, overwhelming sadness, feelings of inadequacy. How best to honor those lost? 
to comfort their families. How could we identify the best approach to heal and to move forward? Let me share with you the lyrics from Broken Halos, a song written by country music sensation Chris Stapleton. He had had a young friend, much too young, that had passed away from pancreatic cancer and he wrote this song. I can't sing, but I'll, I'll talk you through a lyric or two. Seen my share of broken halos, folded wings that used to fly. They're all gone wherever they go, broken halos that used to shine. Don't go looking for the reasons. Don't go asking Jesus why. We're not meant to know the answers. They belong to the by and by. I enjoy, I uh, invite you to check that song out. It's one of my favorites. I'm a simple guy. This song seemed to answer my forever question. Why did this have to happen? Why did God allow our families our university, our community, to suffer such a tragedy. We're not meant to know the answers. They belong to the by and by. Yea, though I walk, Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I carry a staff today, not that I need it to walk, but I wanted to share with you that this staff was given to me in August of 2002 by Russell Rice of East Point, Kentucky, who had made this beautiful keepsake for me at age 83. Russell often referred to as kindness personified, was born on November the 14th, 1919. Russell, happy birthday in heaven. Russell received a full scholarship to play football at Western Kentucky University. He stayed only two weeks and hitchhiked home. He loved God and country, and he was an avid craftsman. Russell passed away in 2012 at the age of 92. Russell taught Sunday school for many years at the Little Paint First Church of God where my wife attended and was an avid fan of our high school team and the Thundering Herd. This staff carries the names of all 36 players that were on the plane. Marcel Latterman, James Robert Patterson, Larry Saunders, all of the names and of the coaches. There's also a space on it that says co-captain Nate Ruffin, home with, energy, with, with injury. Nate had used his flipper in practice 
and he had had a bone spur there and a ligament had gotten hurt and uh, his numb his arm was numb they were afraid that he would lose use of his arm so they kept him out and they stayed home didn't make the trip <clears throat> another up on top says in memory of the Marshall University football team 11-14-70 by Russell Rice August and two. Here at the top, it's the 75 people lost their lives, but only the players, uh, not all 75 people, but he wanted me to have my team. Uh, this is one of my most prized possessions for sure. I wanted to share it with you today. Um, I will say that we're joined today. We were, I had called to get permission to talk about Russell and we've got Russell's daughter with us today, Sharon Kay and T. Watkins. Welcome to the Marshall campus. And thank you, Russell. If here today our 70 teammates would be so proud of the young herd, the university for carrying on our football program, for honoring their memory, for ensuring that they will never be forgotten, and that their legacy will be of a football program like no other. From the ashes we arose, from the nation's college with a losingest record of the 70s, to the college, the only, uh, the, the university in America that had the most win in the 90s. Today we are among the nation's most respected programs. And I, I'm sure we'll stay there. Well done to my teammates, to the university administrative staff, our supportive alumni, our community at large, and most of all, the families of our 75 lost on November 14, 1970. Together, we experienced the worst sports-related tragedy in U.S. history. My bond with Marshall is forever an intricate part of who I am. I stand proudly as a son of Marshall. It defines my love and my commitment for family. We are Marshall. Special thanks to the young herd and congratulations on our 50th anniversary. May God continue to bless the families, to bless Marshall University, and to bless the USA. Thank you, be safe, and be kind. to the laying of the wreath and the commemoration of the 75. It's been an honor to hear the guest speaker this year. It was the first time I can say that I have laughed at a fountain ceremony, but I think that there's a certain level of healing in being able to laugh through the pain. And we will now be able to hear once again the names of the 75 who perished 51 years ago today. 
the football team is here as well as a student body to lay the roses and we will be moving on to that portion and you will hear from us following the ceremony. If you would, please now direct your attention to the fountain for the laying of the reef by the Cerrito Fire Department and Athletic Director Jeff O'Malley, followed by the laying of the 75 roses. Please now direct your attention to the fountain for the laying of the 75 roses. James Michael Adams. Mark Rayburn Andrews. Michael Francis Blake. Dennis Michael Blevins. Willie Bluford Jr. Larry Brown. Thomas Wayne Brown. 
Roger Keith Childers. Stuart Spence Cottrell. Richard Lee Dartinger. David Grant DeBoard. Kevin Francis Gilmore. David Deerning Griffith, Jr. Arthur Harris. Robert Anthony Harris. Bobby Wayne Hill. Joe Lee Hood. James Thomas Howard, Jr. Marcelo Latterman. Richard Adam Leck. Barry Winston Nash. Patrick J. Norell. James Robert Patterson. Scotty Lee Reese. John Anton Rapassi, Jr. Larry Saunders. Charles Allen Saylor.
Arthur Kirk Shannon. Lionel Ted Shoebridge. Alan Jean Skeens. Jerry Dodson Stainback. Robert James Van Horn. Roger Arnie Vanover. Freddie Clay Wilson. John Patton Young. Thomas Jonathan Zaboral. Ricky D. Tolly. Herbert Brackett. Albert Corelli, Jr. Frank Loria. James M. Moss II. Charles E. Couts. Eugene J. Morehouse. Brian R. O'Connor. Gary Wilson George. Jeffrey P. Nathan. James Joseph Schroyer.
Donald Tackett, Jr. Donald Booth. Captain Frank Abbott. Jerry R. Smith. Charlene Pote. Danny Deese. Patricia Vaught. Charles Arnold. Rachel Arnold. Joseph Chambers. Peggy Chambers. Ray Hegley. Shirley Hegley. Arthur Harris Sr.
E.O. Heath. Elaine Heath. James Gerald. Cynthia Gerald. Kenneth Jones. Michael Prestera. Glenn Preston. Phyllis Preston. Courtney Phillips Proctor. H. D. Proctor. Merle Ralston. Helen Ralston. Parker Ward. Normal Weichman. Now that a rose has been laid on the memorial fountain for each and every soul that perished on this day 51 years ago, let us pay our respects by taking a moment of silence to honor the lives lost.
Thank you. As a tribute to the 75, the song Fly Again will be performed by Sierra Doss, Zach Doss, and Stephen Schumann. Please take your seats. This song won't be 
our last Good afternoon all as we close to the, the end as we are close to the end of the memorial ceremony, I want to thank you all for joining us today to help commemorate the 75. I'm so blessed to be here with all of you. I'm Melissa Parks, the student body president and a daughter of Marshall, but most significantly, I'm a member of the Thundering Herd family. Four years ago on this very weekend, it just so happened to be my very first visit to Marshall University. After that visit, I decided that the fresh start and deep roots new roots that I so deeply desired would be made five hours from home here in Huntington. I remember people saying, why Marshall? That's so far away. It didn't take long for me to figure out that why. I simply cannot describe how appreciative I am of this community and what it has provided me. Being a part of this family and moments especially like right now and through this weekend, our experiences worth more than any money and I can truly never repay those that have made it so special. So thank you to all of you. That weekend, I never could have deeply, I never could have known I would, so be, I would be so deeply connected to this family that I would be standing here in front of you on a significant day in Marshall history. But I am humbled to serve this university and to honor those that came before me by helping to remember the ones we so tragically lost. During my time here, I have learned a variable very valuable lesson from the 75 and their loved ones. I've experienced what it means to be a part of something much bigger than myself. We're all just a one piece, one important piece I might add, to this remarkable puzzle that makes up a story, a purpose, a mission, and a family that we all know as Marshall University. I cannot express what a great pleasure it is to say that I'm a part of this family. I do not expect to have so much pride in an institution and feel so deeply rooted and embraced in a new place so quickly. But I have to say, no matter where I go, Marshall will always be a home, a feeling of belonging, if you will. From the time I stepped foot on campus, I've experienced a connection that I cannot explain that is unique to this, to this community of Huntington, West Virginia. It is something that words cannot pin down, and it's something you truly must experience for yourself to really grasp. But once you do, you'll feel the love and support that radiates through this community as we share the heartaches and celebrations of life together. Today is one of those heartaches that we remember together as we gather around the Memorial Fountain to honor the lives of 75 that were lost of no on November 14, 1970, as many have stood here and done so before me. I would like to share this quote by which the author is unknown. When we lose someone we love, we must learn not to live without them, but to live with the love that they left behind. I may not have had the privilege to personally know the 75 that this community lost, but I do personally know the love they left behind for Marshall, as I too share that deep love, and in this way, we are all united together. No matter what walk of life a person may come from, every student that chooses to be a son or daughter of Marshall instantly becomes a part of our family and will get to experience this bond to Marshall University and to those that have come before and will come in the future. The 75 are forever a part of Marshall, making them a part of you, making them a part of me, and making them a part of every other member in this family. What I mean is this, as you look around and you see friendly faces 
and a sea of Kelly Green, you know we are not living without the 75, but rather they're living through these memorial traditions and in our hearts, which it, within the love we each treasure for Marshall. And that is something we can hold on to and cherish for years to come. Through hard times, we lean on one another. As losing a loved one bears so much weight on our heart, even still 51 years later. But as we continue to grow stronger, we support each other because we are a family and we are Marshall. The people that I've been so blessed to get to know during these past four years while helping with the memorial ceremonies have shared stories with me of the ones they've lost. Just over a month ago, Lucianne Call Kautz hosted Bella and I at her father's ceremony to get inducted into the Hall of Fame at Rock Hill. She shared the memories of her father uh, at Rock Hill and at Marshall. This is only one example, but through this weekend, Friday at the dinner and yesterday at the game, I've gotten the pleasure to hear from so many of the family members and the players from the Young Thundering Herd who shared their stories as well. It is truly times like this which allow the special legacies of the 75 to live on through generations. No matter where I go, I will continue to share and be humbled by these stories of Marshall's history. It is my hope that the current and future sons and daughters of Marshall will continue on this tradition to bond in joy and in sorrow with those who witnessed the hearts of the ones that we lost on this day in 1970. And the 75 will never be forgotten nor will the love they left behind for Marshall University. Thank you and God bless. We will now honor the 75 by ending the memorial ceremony and singing the Marshall University alma mater, sung by Marshall University's chorus under the direction of Dr. Brianna Nannan. If you all please join in standing.
There will be three more events today of which you are all invited to attend. First, we will be laying a wreath at the cemetery immediately after this ceremony. Second, there will be showing a special clip with some of our football seniors, followed by the movie We Are Marshall, for any student and family member who wishes to attend at 4.30 in the June. There will be free hot chocolate and popcorn available for purchase. Please bring a blanket as it will be chilly. And lastly, we will have a vigil at 7.37. Please arrive by 7.20. At this time, I'd like to dismiss everyone and thank you all again, once again, for coming to today's ceremony. We will dismiss family members first, followed by students and community members. Thank you. The ceremony has concluded. Everybody is incredibly quiet. Bex and I were talking about during this ceremony was as the fountain was turned off, the rain stopped. Absolutely. It seems like nature is also joining us in remembering this great loss that we all have shared. I was shocked at how just absolutely quiet it all became. There, The amount of respect that was being shown was just very moving and touching. That was my thoughts exactly, actually. It's, it was an actual thunderstorm for a long time during the ceremony. It was a lot, very loud crash of thunder off mm -hmm. in the distance. And it was, it was like nature just knew that it was time because that was exactly what happened the night of the crash. And just as it was time for all of us to quieten down, the rain also quietened down. Right. Yeah, that was that was quite a, a show there of the nature just also quieting down there. It's it's almost eerie how quiet it just became because college campus isn't exactly a place you expect to be very quiet and just how the rain stopped and just the sheer number of people here but the silence that is also there among all of those people. It's it's very nice to see. It's very obvious respect. Right. And even as people are starting to mingling together now that the ceremony has concluded, it's still quiet. Right. Everybody's smiling and hugging and happy to see each other again, but it's still, there's a silence that's quite palpable. Mm -hmm. Something I noticed during the um, ceremony was members of the student government were walking around when people were standing and wiping the rain off of their seats before they sat back down. And I thought that really spoke to just the care and the kindness that's being shown today as we all gather for this so solemn moment, but that we're all, you know, a family and we're all looking out for each other and trying to show each other a lot of care and comfort today. What we will do now is take a quick break. Stay tuned. My dastardly plan to pollute the airwaves with Nickelback is almost to rotten fruition. We must let our powers combine. Jazz. Avoid winning news in sports. Rock and roll. Flashback. Ska. With your powers combined, I am WMUL. Oh no! WMUL's award-winning radio programming is kicking my... 88.1 WMUL. We all share a common journey. We wanted to serve our country and protect the things we love. But for some of us, coming home was more of a challenge than we expected. In the service, we had each other's backs. But as veterans, it can sometimes feel like we're all alone. 
For confidential support, call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at VeteransCrisisLine.net or text 838-255. Touchdown, thundering herd! Want to know the time of our next sports broadcast? Go to our website at www.marshall.edu slash WMUL and find the entire sports schedule on the front page. You can even go one step further and listen to the game live right off our website, www.marshall.edu slash WMUL. Yet another reason why we're the worldwide leader of Marshall sports coverage. WMUL 88.1. I just wanted to eat like a normal human being, you know? Just something I could hold down without the horrible pain. Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are diseases that attack the digestive system. A feeding tube's not my idea of a good meal. At the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, we're excited about the latest research. Then there was this new drug. Thousands of people are being treated with new drug therapies. Doc said it doesn't work for everyone, but I got lucky. To help, visit ccfa.org. Now I'm taking food the old-fashioned way. I'm eating it. So what does WMUL mean by the cutting edge? Well, not this, but this. Marshall University students say it's not easy being Greek. Nope, not this either. Whew. But this, oh yeah. And finally, 0% this, but 100% this. Got it, touchdown, thundering herd. So the cutting edge means award-winning news, music, and sports, not uh, cutting stuff. 88.1 WMUL. Here we are. Lookout point. Wow, Jim. The stars are so beautiful tonight. Hey, is that a UFO? The light! It's got me! Jim! Jim! Mary! What? Where am I? Grootlings, Earthling. Ah, we require your help. We detected an unusual signal coming from your vehicular object. You must tell us what it is. Or else. Whoa, take it easy. I was just listening to WMUL. WMUL? Yeah, it's my favorite radio station. So that's what good radio sounds like. The rumors are true. Mission accomplished. We must report this to our queen. Goodbye, Earthling. Wait, what? Jim, are you okay? What was that? The truth, Mary. WMUL is out of this world. Today, a new creature walks among us, causing fear, mayhem, and injury. Stay back, children. Look out for the dreaded digital deadwalkers. With faces pressed against their little handheld devices, they put all good citizens in harm's way. Oh, hey, dude. I'm walking here. Oh, uh, sorry, I didn't see you. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons who want to keep everyone well connected with healthy bones. This song is being played on a didgeridoo. A didgeridoo is an instrument made by indigenous Australians. WMUL doesn't have any songs with didgeridoos in them. But what we do have is the Tri-State's largest variety of music, from alternative to hip-hop, jazz to blues, and much more. Plus, our selection is constantly being updated with the latest tunes. So, you know, maybe one day we will have a song with a didgeridoo in it. 88.1 WMUL-FM Hey man, I like that jacket. Thanks. I worked overtime to save up the money to get it. I know you did, man. I barely saw you last month. But look, it's getting cold out here. Let's head to the bus stop. 
Yeah, you're right. Let's go. Look at that guy over there. I know he has to be cold. It's been snowing all day, man. I'd hate to be him. Who? That homeless guy? Yeah, but there's the bus, man. We need to hurry up. Go ahead. I'll be there in a sec. I need to do something first. Sir. Excuse me. Sir. Here's a coat for you, sir. You need it more than I do. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. How can I repay you? That's not necessary, sir. But I'm late for the bus. You have a nice day. When selfishness ends, everyone wins. Kindness. Pass it on. This message is brought to you by your friends at 88.1 WMUL-FM. Welcome back to the 51st Annual Fountain Ceremony at Marshall University. We are here talking to President Gilbert. Thank you so much, President Gilbert, for joining us today. My pleasure. It's This is your last fountain ceremony as Marshall's president. So we want to ask you, how does it feel to be closing this chapter of your Marshall story? Very sad, to be honest. It's, it's a very sad day for me. What will you be doing in the future? Well, um, we'll be finishing up, and I'm going to help President-elect Brad Smith uh, over the next months uh, transition into the presidency. Uh, my wife and I are moving to Richmond, Virginia in January, and we'll be uh, living there. I'm going to be doing some consulting in higher education, I think, in the future. So you won't be too far away. Do you think you'll be joining us again for a ceremony? Well, it depends on whether I'm invited, I guess. <laughs> I think you'll always be invited, President Gilbert. This is your home now, so you always have a place here. Well, thank you. Is there any questions you have, Abigail? It's, what has been your favorite part of your time here at Marshall, besides being the president of the university? Being with the students, obviously, has been my favorite part. I've, I've loved students from the very beginning. I've been in higher ed since 1982, and it's the students that keep you going, and they're what's special about a university, so it's definitely been the Marshall students. Is there anything that you will be taking with you from your time here at Marshall that has made a significant impact on your life that you will continue to carry with you after you leave? Well, certainly a lot of the memories that I've uh, experienced here, certainly my start at Marshall was at the fountain ceremony six years ago uh, when I came here uh, sort of unexpectedly, uh, changed my plan so that I could come and experience the, cer the ceremony. Uh, it's a very um, somber day. It always is on November 14th. Uh, and that will always stick with me, the, the 75 and remembering the tragedy and then also the rebirth that came with the young, young thundering herd. So the perseverance, the determination, the spirit of Marshall will always be with me. Are there any comments that you would like our listeners to hear about the importance of continuing to honor the 75? I think this is part of the fabric of the university. Uh, it's who we are. Uh, it defines us in ways that other universities don't have a unifying event like this. I think it's important that we continue to incorporate this into our yearly activities so that we always will remember and honor the 75 and their families. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and taking some My time pleasure. out of your busy schedule. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank, thank you. you. We will miss you. Thank these, you. These I interviews have that. made a large impact on my time here at Marshall. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. We will now be taking another short break, and then we will be joined by Frank Wheeler. 
the worldwide leader of Marshall University sports coverage. Appleby takes the snap, dropping back, great protection, fires it down the middle, it's picked off! Right to Taekwon Lang! Lang takes it at the 45, brings it to the near side, the 30, down to the 20, has a blocker in front and walks into the end zone! A 55-yard pick six! Chester and UAB able to lose the ball, Marshall keeps it in for Mario Gordon, puts it into the net, Marshall 2 UAB won 326 to play in the match. On the way, this one sent for a ride. Down the line, left field turn and watch it fly. It's gone. A one-out solo bomb from Caddy Lucas. It's 2-0, thundering herd. Quickly Hamilton there to clean things up. Counter and one for the redshirt junior from Huntington. Ryan Taylor's going to the rack. Left side up off the glass. No good, but James Kelly comes in from behind and flushes it home. WMUL-FM, Huntington. You have a CD for any mood. You've got everything from rainy day jazz to pure existential angst. You've got CDs to dance to, boogie to, shimmy to, mosh to, and totally rock out to. You've got rock, rap, pop, alt pop, sub pop, hip hop, jazz, blues, country, metal, punk, and some stuff they don't even have a name for yet. But do you have a first aid kit? You have the things that make you happy. Get the things that make you prepared. An all-hazards emergency preparedness kit can help. Ready kits are available at your local retailer. Learn more at ready.gov. G'day, mates. My name is Dango Mick, and I've come all the way from Australia in search of a creature that's spelled W-M-U-L. I guess it's a woman. It's known only to exist on the Marshall campus, and its void has been known to induce a dependency on a wide variety of music that only it can supply. Crocky, there it is now, and it's attacking another radio station. Oh, but don't worry, kiddies. It'll be all right. It's only nature. We are back at the 51st annual fountain ceremony. We are joined now by Frank Wheeler. He's a newcomer this year at the ceremony, and his story is special because just in recent years, we were able to hear from the family members of the flight crew. So his story stands out a little bit more than those we've heard in the past. So Frank, if you don't mind, I do want to ask, what made you want to stay connected with the families of the fallen? You know, it, it actually took me uh, a long time to, uh, to reconnect uh, I grew up in West Virginia, in Charleston, so I had a great link to all the people in the state, particularly here in Huntington, and particularly the night of the tragedy. I spent two weeks here, beginning that night, and uh, it, it was very difficult for me to, to try to return to that, uh, including with the families, and, and this was my first visit back to Huntington uh, for this weekend, so it took a while for me to be able to do that and I'm so glad I did and uh, felt so welcome actually back 51 years ago tonight I felt welcome and in the midst of the tragedy and and particularly so t today so I'm grateful to be here well we're glad to have you back and um, you know what is it like for you to come back here after so long well, really mixed emotions, as you can imagine. I, I landed at the airport and came first to the crash site, and that was very emotional for me. And then as I saw new people and saw some familiar faces, there was a great high involved also. So it's been very much an up-and-down weekend, and I was uh, just uh, overwhelmed, really, with the feelings that I got from everybody here. 
Um, can you tell us a bit about your mindset in the following days of the crash 51 years ago? Oh, I, I think, I mean, I was a very young guy then, and thrust, uh, our airline had not hurt any, had not had an accident of any sort. So we were uh, really unprepared for that. And uh, I think my mindset was that these were people that, that I cared deeply about, and the only objective was to try to make this tragedy as, 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 I'm, I'm struggling for the right words, I suppose. Meaningful, me, maybe? Me, well, me, or, or uh, just survivable in one way. And uh, there was a great link here, I think. Uh, one of one of my wife's uh, friends was a coach. Uh, Shorty Moss was, and so there was a great link. And so the crew, I knew the crew. And, and so I think my mindset was just, how can I help? Right. And how, how can I make a difference here? Uh, to people whose everybody's life changed that night in one way or another. Sure. Can you share with listeners your exact job title at the time and what dealing with the crash entitled you to do? Well, I, I was I was a, a president of a vice president of sales and marketing so part of what I did was the charter activity so so people that worked for me uh, uh, sold and and uh, had contact with Marshall and then we were part of the crew that operated the the charter and then the salespeople uh, uh, that also worked for me uh, were we felt like we were the right people to be in contact with 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 all the people involved so that's what i was responsible for and what i did as michaela mentioned um in recent years we've had the opportunity to hear more from the families of the flight crew and extend the story mm. of the crash um can you tell our listeners why you think it is that the marshall story reaches so far beyond just alums in the huntington community I, you know i think they're just a spirit of of community of of involvement and uh, I, I, it's it's indescribable really I, i'm not exactly even tonight when i was here even when i'm talking to you here and talk to the president and talk to people that i see there's a, a sense that i can even, cannot even describe it, it and uh, if i'm not careful i'm going to cry <laughs> Oh, I think it's perfectly acceptable to cry. I actually thanked you before we started our interview because even though I've grown up in Huntington and this is a story near and dear to yeah. me, this is the first time I've heard my last name involved <laughs> in, the, uh, <laughs> in the proceedings, and it was a different feeling, a different connection. Well, I'm glad you felt that way. You know, when I, I stopped on at the at the site on the way back from the airport on Friday afternoon, there was a young couple there, uh, two young couples with uh, five children. And they were, I don't know, 30, and they had just moved to Huntington, and they were there because they said that the, the crash, the spirit of renewal afterwards was so in part of the fabric of the community that they wanted to start absorbing it. Wow. And I mean, here's, you know, one of them lived in Arkansas, another from Texas. And actually, I was delighted that they were there because that was quite an emotional moment for me. 
and and they were there it was an opportunity to, to share that and they were really pleased to be part of the community and to continue the uh, uh, the legacy really of of that spirit we want to thank you for joining us is there anything that you would like to add for listeners that we did not ask well the only thing I would like to just underscore was was the how welcome I felt and we felt uh, that night 51 years ago and that would just continue for this weekend and eternally grateful for the people who responded like they did 51 years ago and and today it, it, it continued so uh, my feelings about that were just really overwhelming well thank you for joining us today again that was frank wheeler we are now going to take another short break and then we will be joined by president-elect brad d smith are you training for a marathon or something? I heard if you lose lots of weight, you can prevent diabetes. Get real. You don't have to knock yourself out to prevent diabetes. Take small steps. Talk to your health care provider. Losing a small amount of weight by being active 30 minutes, five days a week, and eating healthier can prevent diabetes. For more information, call 1-800-438-5383 and ask for Get Real, a message from the Department of Health and Human Services National Diabetes Education Program. The worldwide leader of Marshall University sports coverage. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fifth oldest stadium in college football, Nippers Stadium. Buckeye Field, Columbus, Ohio, Thundering Herd, and the 24th-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Here in Raleigh, North Carolina, at Coke Field at Dale Park. At the U.K. Soccer Complex in the heart of bluegrass country, Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome back to Houston, Texas, the site of the 2008 Conference USA Softball Tournament. WMUL-FM, Huntington. Hey man, you dropped something. That's okay, it's just trash anyway. Actually, it's not okay. It's littering. You should pick it up and throw it away. It would be even better to recycle it. What are some other ways I can help out on campus? Try picking up litter around campus, recycling soda cans, plastic bottles, and paper at the designated bins around campus, taking shorter showers to save water, or walk, ride a bike, or even carpool to cut back on air pollution. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Think green and be Marshall Green. Brought to you by your friends at the eco-friendly WMUL 88.1 FM. Welcome back to the 51st Annual Fountain Ceremony at Marshall University. We are joined now by President-Elect Brad Smith. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, you were just a child at the time, living in Canova when the crash happened. Can you describe how that impacted your life? Yes, I was six years old with my two brothers watching television when it scrolled across the bottom of the screen that a plane had crashed in our hometown in Canova. I ran to the back window, my bedroom, I looked out and I saw the sky glowing red. We had a CB scanner, a police scanner, and it said that a plane had crashed and I knew my cousins were volunteer firemen so we were trying to figure out what was going on. What I saw happen was a community basically come together, rise from those ashes and it became one of my favorite quotes, we're all born angels with one wing, the way we fly is by holding on to one another. Wow. Now in... Um I know it's a little far in the future, but is there anything that you're doing to prepare yourself as the president for your next or for the next ceremony? You will be the president of Marshall. How does that? How are you preparing? How do you feel? Well, first of all, I'm privileged to have the opportunity to serve as Marshall's 38th president. I'm following a wonderful president, President Gilbert. He's a dear friend of mine. He's been a magnificent president, 
And I can tell you the first thing I'm doing is I'm seeking to understand before seeking to be understood. Or as my mom would say, I have two ears and one mouth, and I should use them in that proportion. <laughs> so even though I'm from here, I'm a son of Marshall, I grew up here, there's been a lot that's occurred since I've been gone. And I want to listen and understand and learn, and then make sure that we collectively take action in the areas we think are best for all of us. Sure. Well, it's obviously already you have a very large Marshall story, so it's not that you're starting out now as you come in to be our next president, but it will be a different chapter for you. How different do you think that will be as you take on that new opportunity? You know, I think it's going to be the pinnacle of my life. I think it couldn't have been something that I could have ever dreamt would happen. But now that it's happened, I can't imagine it. And Mark Twain once said the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you discover why. Marshall is my why. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit here. You said that your cousins were volunteer firefighters. Were they on site the night of the crash? They were. In fact, the uh, volunteer firefighter chief, Eddie Markham, was here a little earlier. And they were with him. And uh, they never wanted to speak about it. Um, they were always very serene. Um, they knew what that meant to the families. They knew what it meant to the community. And they did the duty that they had to do, but they never spoke about it. And we never asked them. We just honored them. We talked earlier about um, how beautiful it was when the laying of the roses was happening. Everything was so quiet. And there's just an obvious, like, tremendous respect for what's happening here. I can't imagine what that must have felt like to have seen this. You said the sky was glowing red. Yes. And then to relive this moment every year. How does that feel to relive this sad moment every year? You know, it's, it's a mixture of courage and compassion. Mm -hmm. You have to have the courage to face the grief once again. And then you have the compassion for those around you. But you know that also brings a new chapter. And that's why I love the ceremony with the fountain. At mm -hmm. this moment when we turn it off, them, and then in the spring when it comes back with rebirth. Because that's what they would want us to do. That's beautiful. Yes. And you have such a strong connection here at Marshall. When was the first fountain ceremony that you ever attended? Could you describe what that was like for you? You know, it would be hard to tell you the year, but it would felt the same way it did today. You go through this mixture of somberness. You go back in your memories and you remember what it felt like at that moment. And then you see the generations that have followed the 75 standing here, whether it's the team or it's the leaders or it's the family members and the great-grandkids that are walking by and laying the roses. And you realize that life goes on, that all of us have gotten stronger, and because of them, we stand on their shoulders and we carry on in their tradition. Now, this is my first um, fountain ceremony that I've attended. Have they all been this cold? Oh, this is West Virginia. You know, it may have been warm yesterday, cold today. It could be warm tomorrow. So, no, they're not always this cold. Sometimes we get rain, sometimes we get sun, and sometimes we get today. Right. Maybe we'll get lucky next year with a bit warmer weather. You know, it's all good. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today, Ed. It's been an honor to interview you. I can't wait to have more interviews with you as you start the rest of your Marshall journey. Are there any questions that we did not ask that you would like to comment on? No questions, but only my sincere gratitude for you and all the other students that do what you do. I'm so proud of WMUL. I'm so proud of our program. I'm so proud of each of you. I know that we have won awards recently, and for me, it is a badge of honor to be sitting here with you today and having the chance to talk. And I can't wait to do it many more times in the future. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for coming and Thank joining you. us. Thank you very much.
Well, as we wrap up, let's see, hear some of our last thoughts on the ceremony. Bex, if you want to start out. Sure. I think that something that I was really interested in was that almost everyone who went up there described it as a sacred site. And of course, we all walk past the fountain every day as students and we understand what it's about. We know um, you know what purpose it serves, but to it really hit me today that th like this is sacred ground that we're walking on. This is a sacred spot in all of our history as sons and daughters of Marshall, and I just think that that was really lovely. I'm that's I think my biggest takeaway from this event today. I totally agree, and I think um, every speaker that went up there, the emphasis on family, and you could really feel that spirit around here. Sure both Rebecca and Abigail. This is their first ceremony, so can you guys talk a little bit about how it felt after actually concluding the ceremony? Sure. Um, I, I went, I won't lie, I was quite nervous coming um, just on the on the radio end of the in, in endeavor, but um, the actual ceremony was so beautiful. I never, like, I mean, I had no idea what to expect, and just the the bonding of a community, and not just the Marshall community, but the Huntington community was so. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. It was a real. It's weird to say it was a good time, but it definitely was a very humbling experience. Yeah, I I feel the same way. My older brother attended Marshall, and I always heard about the fountain ceremony from him, and I just it's a totally different experience to actually be here and see the laying of the roses and hear the speakers and just see all of these people who knew the 75 and have come out to honor them as well as all of these people who obviously people like me college my peers we were not born anywhere close to when it happened but just the respect that is still held from people who had no idea who they were it's it's it, it really was a good time not it was beautiful sure well, we want to thank you all for joining us. This has been the 51st Annual Fountain Ceremony here at Marshall University. I'm Michaela Wheeler. I'm Rebecca Law. And I'm Abigail Cunningham. We'll now get back to our regularly scheduled programming on WMUL 88.1 FM. This has been a News Center 88 special report from the Annual Memorial Fountain Ceremony. Now, back to regularly scheduled programming on the cutting edge. WMUL-FM. Huntington.